today we just worship you for that love for that love that you've lavished upon us and I pray God that we would in turn love others as you have loved us in Jesus name we pray and everybody give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you would hallelujah God is so good turn to your neighbor and say God is good I started to say turn to your neighbor and tell him you love him but you may not like him that much so I, I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable situation I tell you what, I, I love how God shifts things up on us. Amen? Amen? I really wrestled with what I would be sharing today. It's a very unusual passage. Um, it's, it's, it's not something the Lord, probably something I should have developed years ago. The Lord laid this on my heart. I think on one Sunday night I, I made mention of it. I looked up in my notes and saw some, and so I just started to develop this over the next couple um, days and, and looking at it, and so I hope that it blesses you like it has blessed me um, today. I want to say on behalf of the church, Happy Father's Day. After service, we have a meal in the back. We're just going to enjoy those that can stay, stay, those that can't, we understand, and um, we are looking forward to it. If you are expecting a gift, your gift will be back there. So... That's, you know, so if you don't stay, you don't get a gift. So don't leave saying that church didn't give me nothing. You didn't stay to get it. No, I'm just messing. I think they did that on purpose. But, um, but it will be in the back. They've got some games planned, some good food. I walked back there a moment ago, and it was smelling really, really good. I want you to go with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Samuel 1st. We're going to go to 1 Samuel 1st, then we'll go to 2 Samuel, okay? So 1 Samuel and we're going to look at chapter 31. I didn't give Rick a scripture because I really didn't know which one I would read because it's two stories. It's the same instance, but it's two different stories. So I want you to um, kind of remember that. I have three simple points. I'm going to explain to you the story. And um, hopefully we'll leave this place loving people more than we have in the past. And so I want you to look at verse 1. We'll start in verse 1. It'll be on the screen, and I'm going to read that, and then we'll go to um, the, um, chapter 1 of 2 Samuel. Now the Philistine fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in the Mount Geboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons, and the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malkishua. Now, if you can do better, you're welcome to come up and read it too. Uh, I, I struggled on that one. I really rehearsed that one, and I think I got it good. Um, and the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him. And he was sore, wounded of the archers. Now, this is the interesting part. Then said Saul unto his armor bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell like, this will be the last verse, likewise upon his sword and died. Now let's go to Second Samuel chapter 1. We'll go to verse 6 if we can. We can get to verse 6. <clears throat> David is uh, greeted with a young um, Amalekite. And he says this to him. And a young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Geboa, 
Behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and the horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called unto me, and I answered, Here am I. And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said unto me, or to me again, Stand, I pray thee, upon me, and slay me, for anguish is come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. So I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. And I took the crown and that was upon his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and brought them, this is the last one, hither unto my Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. God, I pray, God, that I would be able to share exactly how you've laid this on my heart for years. And I pray, God, that it would change us, God, on how we treat other people. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, Amen. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Y'all supposed to say that back? I'm really tired of y'all not saying that back to me um, because it makes me feel like I'm not doing a good job as a father. And, you know, I just, anyway. I, want, I got a couple things. Um, I, I want to read just a few. It wouldn't be Sunday without some dad jokes. It, I want to read just a few. Why don't scientists trust atoms? Atoms. Why don't scientists trust atoms? You know, like atoms, what we're made out of. Because they make up everything. Come on now. Y'all know that's good. Y'all know that's good. I'm trying to find, there's a couple really good ones that I've got. What do you call fake spaghetti? An imposter. You've been cheating, haven't you? Yep, you've been cheating. I love this one. Why did the coffee file a police report? Because it got mugged. Come on. <laughs> because it got mugged. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do one last one. And I know these are bad, but it's good to laugh. Why did the math book look so sad? Because it had too many problems. Come on. There's so many more, and, um, but I'll end on that one. My favorite one. Well, there's one more. I'll say that. I know this one by memory. What do you call a lazy kangaroo? A pouch potato. Come on. I love dad jokes. I sit around. I laugh. And I, and I tell my kids. And they're like, Daddy, that's not funny. And I'm laughing. I mean, I'm like red. I'm laughing so hard. But anyway, I guess the older you get, the more that happens. I want to talk to you today about this thought. Don't kill the wounded. Don't kill the wounded. As we look at this passage, there are two instances. First, there is the story that is shown in 1 Samuel chapter 31. Many scholars believe that this is the accurate account. Then in 2 Samuel, we see this Amalekite coming up. He is a young man, and he has the crown and the bracelet of the former king. Knowing more than likely that David is the soon-to-be king, he brings him all of these things and he speaks to him and shares with him what he has and what he has done. Some scholars believe he made this story up because it, does not go, it doesn't go in line with the previous account. And he, he had the gall to say, yeah, I killed the former king. He said he was wounded, he was over there, and he was hurting, and I just 
I just went over there and took him out of his misery. Now some of us know that because maybe we've had an animal before that maybe they were in misery and they had to be put down. Maybe they, maybe they were not able to function anymore or maybe they, they were not able to have a, a, a life that was good and they, were have, they, were, they had to be put down. They were wounded. And so in this story, this, this Amalekite, is a lot of them believe that he makes this story up. So I want to take two, both of these stories, because in the first one you have the armor bearer. The arm, armor bearer knew better than to kill the king. He, he said, I can't do that, so he didn't, and he allowed Saul. See, you can't do anything about what other people do to themselves, but you can do a lot about what you do to other people. See, there's a backstory that goes to this because when you look at this passage in 1 Samuel, you see that Israel is fighting the Philistines, that, 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 that enemy of Israel. They were fighting them and the battle got so out of hand that Saul, who was already in a bad way having the kingdom stripped, his three sons, three of his sons were killed and then Saul was wounded. And as Saul was wounded, the story goes in 1 Samuel chapter 31 that Saul says, I'm not going to make it, so I need help in ending my misery. He asked his armor bearer. His armor bearer says no. Then later in this second, uh, second Samuel, we're told that, that this man makes up the story and says he did it. Well, when he tells David, the interesting thing is, David says, what, what made you think you could do this? And so David says, well... You have done wrong. In fact, David began to weep and mourn. And, and the Bible said that eventually David called the young men of Israel to come over and kill this man that some, like I said, most scholars believe he made this story up. But it really, I mean, it was, it, it was as if he had the gall and he was able, he would have done it if it had really happened. He was willing to kill a wounded king so we could help somebody else out and so David takes it out on him and kills him right there now there's a lot of uh, backstory to unpack here and I'm going to try to do that in our short time that we have Saul was, 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 was put as king over Israel because the Bible said that he was a head taller he was everything that Israel needed physically in a king and so he was placed as king in 1 Samuel chapter 13 through 15, you see there are two instances where Saul disobeys and does wicked things. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, it's the worst where he does not kill the Amalekites. Understand, what you do not obey God will, with, it will eventually come back and haunt you. And so as, as Saul did not completely destroy the Amalekites, what happened was the, the prophet Saul, or Samuel comes up and he says, what is this I hear in my ear? You were supposed to get rid of everything. Well, Saul said, well, I've done the better job. Well, he thought his sacrifice equaled obedience, but he found out quick that God is looking for obedience because obedience is better than sacrifice. And so in that moment, the kingdom is stripped from Saul. 
Well, Saul, it's gone, and he, he goes mad. In fact, he goes crazy as a, a spirit that comes on him and begins to bother him and conflict him. And then out of nowhere, there rises up this young man by the name of David. Now, we know David because David comes to fruition in the, um, the, the, cha- uh, the, the book of 1 Samuel. He comes up in chapter 16 as he's anointed king. And then later, he is appointed as the person that would play the harp. And when he played the harp, it would soothe the king. In fact, Saul knew David well. When, when an evil spirit would come on Saul, Saul would have this shepherd boy play his harp. And the Bible said it would soothe his spirit. Well, then you see David come up in chapter 17 and he begins to kill or slay Goliath. Later on, after this, you see that David begins to have songs written after him. The women were saying David has slain his tens of thousands, Saul his thousand. And all of a sudden there rose up what I would call jealousy, what I would call Bitterness, what I would call uh, this, this envying of everything that was happening in David's life. In fact, you're shown that for the latter part of 1 Samuel, from around chapter 20 to the very end, David is hunted like a dog. In fact, the man that should have been a father figure to David becomes an enemy of his and begins to chase after him. In fact, there's two instances that stick out to us. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, David is chased down by Saul. Saul goes to use the restroom, the scripture says, and David has a moment to where he could kill Saul. And he decides not to. In 1 Samuel 26, the very same thing happens. And each time, David spares Saul's life. David had two moments To kill this man that had hunted him. David had every right. Saul deserved mistreatment. Saul deserved death. Saul deserved retribution. Anybody ever had somebody like that? To where you thought they deserved what was coming their way? Has anybody ever been bullied at school or maybe you didn't want to fight or you didn't want to, you, you didn't want to do anything like that and you just took it and, 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 and one day you just said, I've had enough and you just kind of crossed that line and you stood up for yourself. They deserved it. They deserved what was dished out to them. That was Saul. Saul deserved what was coming his way. And as Saul would leave this kingdom, he would meet his end. He would meet his end as he was fighting the Philistines. And the Bible said that he was laying there and he was wanting somebody to end his misery. He was wanting somebody to inflict him in his wounded state. And he could not find anybody. The armor bearer had better sense, so he took it upon himself to fall on his sword. But then there comes this Amalekite that was willing to say, Hey, if I had a chance, I would have killed him too. But in the end, you see, David says, listen, I want you to understand, he may have deserved death. He may have deserved what was coming his way. But that's not what we are supposed to do as people of God. That's not what we are. We're not supposed to hold grudges. We're not supposed to hold bitterness. I read a quote, and some of you have uh, probably ever already heard this quote. Bitterness and, 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 and unforgiveness is like drinking a poison and waiting on the other person to die. Let that sit in. 
it, it, it hit me unforgiveness and bitterness whatever you're holding against somebody whatever you're holding against what they've done it's like you drinking the poison and waiting on them to die They've moved on with their life. They're doing whatever they want to do. And let me tell you, sometimes it burns you up. But it is not the child of God's position to say, I am going to take my vengeance out on you. In this passage, we see that David chooses to not wound or not to kill the wounded, but to do whatever you can to try to heal them, try to save them, because the church is still about saving those that are lost. Let me tell you, I don't want to get I know I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but the church is about saving the lost. The church is about saving the wounded. The church is about saving those that have fallen by the wayside and are hurt by this life and this world. But it seems Seems like if, if we're not careful, the church sits back on our, our high, high pedestals and we say, you messed up, you fell off. And almost like you, you should have never done that. You should have never said that. You should have never been in that place. When it's the church's job to offer the, 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 the Lord Jesus to everyone that has fallen, everyone that has hurt. They may have been your worst enemy, but it is our responsibility to turn the other cheek and say, Jesus loves you. Say amen, somebody. See, we... Can I give you my three points real quick? Now, none of y'all said okay, so we just need to go home. We don't have the right. We never have a right to not help the wounded. Saul was wounded in battle. There was a progression of wounds that Saul endured. Jonathan, Abinadab, Mel, I'm trying it again, Melch, Ashua. I got it right that time too. Y'all don't know how much that word bothered me. Every one of them died. Saul is seeing everything unravel before him. Darts are coming this way. Our, our arrows are flying this way. And then he's wounded. There was a progression of wounds that David had nothing to do with. I believe out of all of these points, this is my favorite point. Because I believe it was the divine inspiration that the Lord allowed me to pin this. Because I needed to hear it myself. There was a progression of wounds that he endured. And David had nothing to do with them. The person that deserves the vengeance will usually be, they will usually go down a trail of heartaches and losses because of how they've lived their life. But we as the children of God should never be responsible for the pain that they endure. My God, can I say that again? The person that has done you wrong, the person that has done me wrong, they will eventually go down a trail of tears. But the child of God should never be responsible for the heartache that they are going through in their life. I've seen it too many times with fellow Christians. I've seen it too many times for people that, that claim to love the Lord, that claim
claim to serve God and when somebody's going through a rough time they are responsible for some of the pain that they are going through as children of God and it gives them a bad outlook on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't do anything about what people go through. You can't do anything about what people what their what ensues in their life or, or unravels in their life. But God help me, I never want to be responsible for the one that takes them out of their misery. I don't ever want to be the one that's responsible for the one that's that said an evil word or done an evil deed or or has tried to tried to hurt them in a malicious way. I want to be the person that says, "Let me take care of you. Let me try my best." You may be on the you may be at the end of your rope you may be at death's door but I want to do whatever I can you may be living a lifestyle that I don't agree with and it will send you to hell but I want to love you I want to care for you and I want to try my best to get you back to the Lord Jesus Christ because there is hope in your future oh God there's been people that let me can I say this in nine years of pastoring, I can honestly say none of you fit this bill. So don't go try to think about who I'm talking about because I'm not talking about any of you. But I have been places to where I've had to care for people that have hurt me deeply. And you have, you've had to do the very same thing. People that have said things, people that have done things, people that and they, they didn't care about how you were or what you were doing and how physically you were feeling, but you understood that it was not about what they did to you, but it's about what Jesus did for you on the cross. And whatever, whatever may be that, that, that schism and that friction, you reach out that loving hand and say, let me take you to a Savior. Let me take you to a God that loves you no matter how wounded you are by life let me take you to a God that loves you not one time even in the made up story and the story of the armor bearer did I see them one time say let me try to bandage these wounds let me try to take care of these wounds I am reminded of the good Samaritan do you know that story I am reminded of how the, the, the priest and the Levite both of those went around and did not offer any kind of remedy but I see the, the Samaritan getting down by the wayside and say let me help you let me begin to pour some wine and some oil and let me begin to bandage up your wounds because I want to help that's where we need to be church that's where we need to be we never have the right we never have the right to kill the wounded. It may make us feel good. It's like honking the horn when somebody pulls over in front of you. It makes you feel good, don't it? Y'all go, just somebody be honest with me. It just makes you feel good. They go to pull into a, they stop in the middle of the road and it almost causes a wreck. You just want to, Lay on that horn and it makes you feel good, right? It may, it may make you feel good for a season to just dig that knife a little bit further inside of someone that's been wounded by life. But we never have the right to do it. 
In fact, Romans, I believe, it says it like this. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. See, there's hope for the wounded. I'm almost done. There's hope for the wounded. I want to tell you, I don't care how bad life has been to them. I see a story of Saul and there is no outcome except for the fact that his hope was gone. I understand that the arrow may have been a deathly blow. But I see no attempt for them to try and bring him back to life. But I want to try to pull out of this just for a moment if I can to share with you that there are people out there that have been wounded by life. The severity does not matter. You may not be able to see their wounds. They may have been wounded by something they've dealt with during their childhood. And it's something internal and they're dealing with it and they don't know how to, 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 to make amends with it. And, and they're dealing with those things. But then there are some that they're dealing with some heinous things. There's people that are dealing with addiction. People that are dealing with abuse. And then there's people that are dealing with this, 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 this messed up view of what lifestyle is whether it's a pronoun or a sex change or whatever it may be but there are people that have been wounded by life but as a believer we understand that we do not have the right to try to kill the wounded it is our mission Jesus said go into all the earth let me tell you for the person that is wounded as Jeremiah 31 says there is hope in their future I don't care where they're at right now I don't care what life has what life is handed down to them there is hope in their future that drug addict I just witnessed this past um, this two weeks ago at the Church of God um, camp meeting in Jackson I just witnessed a, a young girl that had gone into the recovery center she came in a lesbian she came in abused she came in hooked on different things but during that ceremony she was walked on that stage as an ordained minister in the church of God because she had been set free she had been she had been bound and she had been taken care of they had bound her with bandages they had begun to speak life into her and she began to see freedom and she saw change come off of her life because there was hope in her future she came in wounded she came in hurting but she found out that there is a savior there is a gospel there is a Jesus that can care for everyone and heal everyone that has been beat up by life and he can set them free. I want you to think about the person. Oh, I want you to think about the individual that you have. I've got one right in mind right now that you're thinking right now in your mind there's somebody that you say they've gone too far. They're too far out in the world. They've been messed up for too long. Let me tell you, maybe it's them that you should reach out to and say, I just want to tell you I'm praying for you. You may get some backlash. They may begin to make fun of you. I've had that happen to me before. I've sent people a message. I've said, I love you. I'm praying for you. I had one individual that used to preach send me a, a, a message back as if to ridicule what I just sent him in a message. I want you to know, but it was not my intent to write him back and say, well, I hope you never come back to know Jesus. I pray for him still today, and I want to see him be healed. I want him to come to know Jesus like never before. It is There is hope in his future. 
And there's hope in your future. And there's hope in your family's future. There's hope in your kids' future. Let us not be a part of those that help wound or kill the wounded. Let us be a part of those that reach down and say, I don't care how bad the wound is. I don't care how bad the mess up is. We're going to care for you. We're going to love you. And we're going to see if we can get you back to where you're supposed to be. As long as there's life in their body, there's hope. And, and lastly, there's power. There's power. There is power when you don't kill them. There's power. There's, there's a message that's sent out. In fact, when David killed this young Amalekite, I believe David was sending a message. You know, sometimes the church needs to send a message. Amen? The church needs to send, send a message. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for right and wrong. Stand up in a world that's gone crazy. But we also need to send a message that says, hey, look, we're not here to hate anybody. We're here to love people. We're here to get them back to the cross. We're here to care for them. We're, we're, here to, we're, here to, we're here to help them find healing from the wounds that life has given them. So we kill that spirit. I've seen God help me. I, 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 know, I, know, I know there's food in the back, so I'm about to be done. But, but God help me. I've seen so many videos of people, preachers that are so vile and so hateful and so just spewing out just hateful things. And, 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 and if I was the person in the pew, I probably probably wouldn't come to know Jesus either but I'm reminded of the woman at the well and Jesus met her he said I know who you are I know how bad you are but if you drink of this water you'll never thirst again I'm reminded of the woman that was caught in adultery and they wanted Jesus to stone her he began to stoop down and write in the sand as if to say I don't count it against her she'll come to me I'll forgive her of her sins and she can go into a life of eternal living there's power. Rick, can you just have something ready as I get ready to close? There's power. And David said, I'm going to kill this spirit. David said, you may have been making that story up, but that's a, you, you, you shouldn't even be thinking about that. As kids, we used to, somebody would, you know, you'd get something and, and you'd tell them, you'd say, goody, goody, you know, things like that. Look what I got. Any, no, I guess nobody else was mischievous, but we used to do it all the time. But, 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 but that, that's not the child of God's, that's not the child of God's posture. When somebody that hasn't been to church in six months, listen, they haven't been to church in six months to a year, and they come in, their life is all broken broken and busted, and they, they is torn up from the floor up, as they would say, it is not our job to say, see, if you'd have been in church, if you'd have been in church, you'd never had to deal with that. It's our job to say, hey, Jesus said, come unto me all who are heavy laden. If you'll get a hold of him right now, I've had people to say, pastor, I can't come to the altar every Sunday. People will know that I'm messed up. Well, listen, if you want me to to join you every Sunday in the altar I will because I want you to know that your pastor is also messed up if it was not for Jesus I don't know where I would be and so I have to come to him consistently or I would die from the wounds of this life there's power and David said I'm going to kill this spirit he said, he said it doesn't even it, it doesn't deserve to exist and there's 
there's this last point that there's power in not killing the wounded because when we don't kill the wounded, we open up the moment for us to be all God has us to be. You will never go forward in your life in Christ if you can't get over the hurts of your past. It is not your responsibility to usher out the vengeance. The vengeance is the Lord's. And you will never, I will never be exactly what God has called me to be if I'm always thinking about how I've been wronged in the past or if I can't pray for somebody or if I can't love somebody. I told you earlier, it's like drinking a poison and waiting for them to die. The only way that you will ever be able to get to where God's called you to be is you're able to get past what has been done to you in your past because you know there's hope in your future I don't know if it's blessed anybody else but it's blessing me because I got some scars in my past and I'll never get to where God's wanting me to go David would never be the king that he was supposed to be if he would have taken that crown and the bracelet under the conditions that the Amalekites say he got them the Amalekites said I got them When you put an end to that type of spirit, not only do you open yourself up for where God wants you to go, you will reveal to others the love of the Father. Saul, when he was supposed to be killed, Saul said, David, you should have killed me in 1 Samuel chapter 24. He said, but today I've seen that you are the better man. Oh, what measure of love the Father has lavished upon us. I want people that, I want people that, that, that acted certain ways to, to the believers. I want them to be treated so well by the church that they say, I want that love. I want that love that they've got. I want that kindness and that care. If they can react to somebody that has done them so bad, I want what they have. power of not killing the wounded we will see I believe that we can see prodigals come home like never before what do you mean preacher you can begin if you would just for a moment I believe that when we begin to love those as David shows David had no malice in his heart David didn't say well why didn't you cut his head off I wanted his head. David didn't say, well, well, why didn't you do more? Why didn't you burn him? Why didn't you hang him up on the stakes like they did in the book of Genesis? Why, why didn't you do more? Because he deserved everything that he got. David said, he didn't deserve that. David said there was hope for him. I believe David may have been thinking, what if Saul would have got his mind right? After calling on the witch of Endor, after calling on all of the things that he did in his life, what if Saul began to have a full circle moment like Nebuchadnezzar and said, Oh my Lord, there is a God in heaven. David, I believe David was hanging out for that moment. And if he had come back to know, to know the Lord at that time, like he did when he first began, I believe David would be the first one there to say, I know I was supposed to be king. I know I was supposed to be the next on the throne. But I'm more happy that you have found God in your life again. 
Church, do you want to see the lost come? Do you want to see those that don't know Jesus come to know Him like never before? It is time for us to display the love of the Father in our lives like never before as well. Jesus looked at those when they was trying to stone them. Stone the lady caught in adultery. And Jesus wrote in the sand and He said, Let the one that is without sin throw the first stone. And all of a sudden, I just heard rocks just falling by the wayside because each one of them knew the wickedness that was in their heart. Each of them knew that they they themselves had sinned. If it was not for God, they, they themselves would not be going into eternity. Church, it is not our itinerary to kill the wounded, but to help them. Say amen, somebody. Oh, my God. Stand to your feet if you would. Some days I feel like I'm just... Thank you so much for listening to our podcast here at the Greenwood Church of God. We are so excited that you have found us here. Our prayer is that this podcast would enrich your life and give you strength for this week ahead. Thank you so much for being here. Now enjoy the podcast. This is Pastor Michael Mooneyham. I want to say thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We are so thankful that you chose to join us in this way, but we would also love for you to come and join us in person at 1102 Sergeant John Pittman Parkway in Greenwood, Mississippi. Our service time is at 1040 a.m., and we would love to see you here. Thank you once again for listening. We hope to see you soon. God bless.